1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
0: Believe. This is the Burgundy Number Podcast with Josh Taylor, HTTR. What's up Redskins Nation, welcome to another episode of the Burgundy Network Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the team over at Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow the bell grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Today I've got a special episode, I've been raving about him in the last couple episodes. Uh, he helps me watch all my tapes, and that's my guy Adam from the B&G Report, what's going on Adam?
2: Hey, man. Thanks for having me
0: on, man. Absolutely. I've, I've been raving about you, telling the fan base to, to read up on your articles, pay attention to who you talk to because those are names that we're going to be hearing in the NFL. And it's just – it seems like, especially recently, a lot of people are doing these mock drafts. And it's funny because I don't really pay attention to some of the early ones. I look at the later around right. uh, yep. guys that people are drafting. And I'm like, I wonder what makes people – you know, draft these guys. Like, well, he's a guard, and he played at a big school. Like, I'm, I feel like we just need to get that guy. I don't really know too much about him, so um, right. I know you've been doing some mock drafts. You posted one last night that looked really good. Uh, after we were talking, you've been doing a lot. Have you been changing up on your picks? Any, or are you kind of settling in on a few guys?
2: No, like I like I was saying to you before. I like the only reason I like to do them here and here and there is get an idea of basically who could theoretically per the algorithms be available in the later round so it's like when i was just messing around last night i ended up getting like gandy golden harrison bryant and even i, I was telling you about tyler hunley the utah you know uh, option quarterback like that's something in the seventh round that hey that could be an option and they just basically give me a better idea of who could be available and like i was saying to you before too that a lot of the small school prospects are going to be either late or undrafted because they're just not able to have their pro days or you know, have teams proke and prod them like usual. So, you know, it just it, it gives you a good sense of, you know, what's going to be out there in the later rounds. And, um, you know, having picks in the later round are just as important as the early rounds, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to see how everything's changing with this virus. I mean, I saw on Twitter yesterday with Jalen Hurts doing a video call uh, with Jerry Jones in his house. <laughs> it's just like, I wonder how yeah. much of this we're going to do more going forward. Oh, yeah. Um, the future. Yeah, I know that's something you said uh, last night when we were talking. Do you think that, you know, you, you do a lot more of like scouting and watching stuff yeah. uh, more than I do? So you think this is something we're going to do a lot more going forward uh, in the football game?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure sure as far as like the virtual like you know teams are going to have to be everything's going to be done from afar you know the you know up close business that's going to change a lot so for like people like you and me you know like independent writers you know starting to get like you get sponsors podcasts you know we're going to become more prevalent out there because there's going to be so many media sources that you know people are going to be looking for more to you know basically read and experience when it comes to the draft process and it's getting even bigger this year and they're going to have to cut it down with no crowd. So, you know, this is the time of year when people get a little, you know, uh, sensitive. Sometimes I think they're (laughs) like, no, that's not going to happen. Whatever. But what they don't understand is these mock drafts aren't to figure out who's going to land on your team. It's to figure out like consistently who's available in the later rounds for any team to pick. And that's the part as fans, you can start watching the draft now, and not have to be, you know, someone like us that like, you know, grinds out, watches tape of the top couple hundred prospects. You'll be like, oh, I remember hearing that guy because I listened to him or read him, you know, on so and so. So it's just basically it's an easier access for people now to be watching day three of the draft and actually understand who they got instead of you know having to run and get you know scramble to get research after their team got him But I think you're going to see a lot more of these unknown guys getting a little more clout this year because of, you know, being home and, you know, just basically to a drafts all the time. You get to know players, you know. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. I'm actually surprised that we haven't had more of this before, especially with small schools, you know, pro days. You know, scouts are traveling out to, you know, hundreds of miles away to go see one or two possible small uh, prospects, you know, have their own pro days. Um, so I'm, it's, it's just surprising to me that we haven't had that more in the past of, like, hey, let's hold, like, one big event. And I think right. Nagy with the Senior Bowl was setting something up. Yes. Um, and I think that was yes. awesome. Huge shout-out yeah. to him for that. Uh, yeah. But just one big outlet for all the small schools. I think we'll see something like that going forward. Uh, but that's just something to keep an eye on. But for the draft, you know, the the biggest thing that we've been talking about is, you know, the later value rounds – you know, we we do have a ton of starters. Fifth round, Cole Holcomb, Chase Roulier in the sixth. I mean, we got Jimmy Moreland out of a small school last year in the seventh. So the one thing that's really interesting to me is taking a look at who people are picking in the later rounds and why. And right. I think this draft particularly has, you know, some spots are deeper than others. Obviously, this is probably the deepest wide receiver draft yes. I've ever seen. Just personally, some people say... You know, Julio and Odell's class, stuff like that. But nonetheless, I think this is the deepest one by far. So it's taking a look at how many picks we have, what we can get early, and how far does that talent drop off, you know, in the later rounds. And I know we'll talk about a couple, um, especially the cornerback spot. But taking a look at pick 66 first off, this has been one of the biggest debates You know, I asked it on Twitter uh, yesterday, and I've had every situation and just about every player possibly. Uh, Some have been, you know, saying Troutman and stuff like that, Um, but there's a lot of situations, and I know we've talked about a couple of our favorites. Uh, First off, Troutman, uh, tight end-wise, this would be the only acceptable pick for me at 66. Is there anyone else tight end-wise that you would take here, or is Troutman pretty much it?
2: um Troutman it just gets you know just a couple a range of like 10 prospects to me right after that it doesn't it's it's still in the kind in the group because nobody in this draft is a first round tight end and even a second round maybe mid is a stretch so you know I have Cole Kemet you mentioned Adam Troutman and then in that order I have Harrison Bryant from Florida International which is Body-wise, the same type as Troutman, actually a little faster. And then you have the hybrid of this draft in uh, Hunter Bryant from Washington U. He's 6'2", 248, but he's probably the best uh, yards after catch tight end in this draft. Oh, yeah. So you have a little bit of a log jam when you get to 66. If you're looking for a tight end and you're willing to reach on some other positions, that's probably you know the Four, you're gonna you look out of my opinion and like I was saying to you, you know I think that you have to go for value and talent and that's that's why I have I think Kyle Duggar You know, I'm biased of course because I interviewed him and you know watched every bit of tape He's ever had at, at Lenore Ryan But this kid's dynamic a punt returner who's safety and linebacker hybrid in one He just came to the combine and I everyone said to me they're like you saw him you saw him back in November but I said, I had predicted, I said, if this guy can run a 40 under the 4.5s and have a good vertical and other measurables, he's going to go top. And he went from, estimate, 150. I think the draft network had him as high as um, 60 now. Yeah, The kid ran yeah. a 4.49, four, four, 42-inch vertical at the combine. And the only knock on him at all is he, they're saying he's a little stiff in his hips. But if you're a putt returner that averaged, what, nearly 25 yards per return and six touchdowns, you can't be that tight in the hip to be a successful <laughs> cover turner, even on that level. So when yeah. you have a kind of DB that can have that kind of ability, to me, I honestly, I think he could be gone. But if you're choosing you know, best player and the biggest need on our team, although Redskins need a tight end, 66 might be reaching it a little bit on some of these guys. So Kyle Duggar is, you know, I'd probably go a couple prospects in front of the tight ends, and Kyle Duggar would definitely be uh, one of those.
0: Yeah, so that's one thing that I've been – you know, I was sold on, like, we have to get Adam Troutman right here, right, right. now. Right. And more recently, I've kind of stepped back, looked at big picture and saying, well, right. maybe 108 still has really good value. Because, like I said, this isn't like some of the draft classes we've had in the past with, you know, like O.J. Right. Howard going in the late first. Um, it's not the same. No, yeah. not at all. But still great value. But yes. can you get the – do you want the best guy available or do you want to reach for your needs?
2: And right, I think that's right. the
0: biggest indifference in people is, well, we need a tight end, so I'm going to take the best tight end that's on the board right when we get our first pick yeah. and not really seeing about best player available. And I would absolutely love Duggar. I know you've been raving right. on him, uh, Lenore Ryan guy. I'm new to North Carolina, but uh, I've been reading up a lot about him also. Just a good hybrid player, right. can offer a lot, and that's what, that's what Ron loves. He loves those guys that right. can do more than one thing, so don't be surprised. Uh, if he's on the board, another guy, Jeremy Chin, I know you've uh, yeah. studied on him. You kind of threw him my way and said, hey, look out for this guy, too. So that was another one that you called. Tell us a little bit about Jeremy because I think he could also be there at 66 and would be a great value pick also.
2: See, to me, you know, Kyle Duggar has the more all-around and hybrid game. Jeremy Chin, to me, if you, a lot of people have argued where he fits, but I think in his size, he's about 6'3", around 215. And you know he he has that forty range four four five and he's long, and to me I like that in a free safety. Like granted he could pack on you know some weight. Like Kyle Dugg is a little more solid than him, but coming from Southern Illinois, he's the kind of safety that I think would complement um, Landon Collins in a tremendous way. I just don't know what I'm torn about is if sixty six is too early for him because I think somebody's going to reach on him, and I doubt. He'll go too far into the fourth round if he lasts. But uh, my dilemma is, you know, after Kyle Duggar, the next down, guy down to me, is Jeremy Chin, do I want to go that way? And I think he offers a lot in the passing game. and That's what you want. But as far as the defense that we're going to play, I'm not sure. This version of the Tampa 2, from what I'm hearing, we're going to run. I don't know if he's ideal for that because I don't look at him quite as sideline to sideline. I look at him as a you know a better deep covered safety and you know he can take off that that center field for you. But I don't know if he'd be a reach this early on. But I do like him a lot though.
0: Yeah, no, he he's a great pick. Um, someone that I've been watching for a while now that I think might might slip up and be there available at sixty six is Ashton Davis. Um, for yeah. Cal. So for yeah. me, two of the most underrated uh, secondaries for sure in in college. Last year was Utah and Cal. You know, Pac 12 yeah. after dark doesn't get much love, but they both just had a ton of ball hawks. And to me, Ashley Davis was the best out of all of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he had his pro day canceled like a day or two before it was supposed to happen because of everything going on that might, you know, hurt his stock and saying like he could maybe improve on stuff. But he's 6'2, 201, 202. I think this is updated numbers, but just a ball hawk, and he is quick in his reaction and reading the quarterback. And to me, people are like, well, you know, we have Sean Davis, we have all these safeties. Why are you talking about safeties? Because yeah. if you could get a guy like Duggar or Jeremy or Ashton Davis that early, honestly, right. I would be surprised if Kyle Duggar started day one, would you?
2: No. These guys are depth. Every, other than Landon Collins, every single safety that the Redskins have, you know, they Monte Nicholson to me was arguably even probably a better depth player. I'm not sure I think if they should have moved on, it should have been last year, but it's a different regime. So, you know, get rid of them this year. I see why. But now you have uh, Abke, Everett, and Davis. And I believe that there's another one on the roster that's going to be a camp body. To me, none of those guys are. Jeremy
0: Reeves, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, Dreams. None of those guys are are starting material to me. So, to me, safety. It's a big drop off from round three to round four, in my opinion. Tight ends, I think you'll get the same kind of quality player at tight end that you will in the third that you will in the fourth. So if you can get a Dugger or Chin or you know even you're mentioning the Cow Kid, the Cow Kid, what only thing I'm seeing with him is to me he seems more ideal as like a roamer strong safety. I like what he can do in deep coverage, but I'm not sure from what we're running that I, safety, I yeah, yeah, I don't see him as the the. Prototypical motor-free safety. Not saying he can't get to that point because I can definitely see him being that. Um, but to me, that's a tough decision. You're right though because if he's available, 66 with Doug or with Chin, it's all about Ron Rivera likes because I think any of those guys can come in and start for you, even the small school ones. I think just the way our defense is going to run and the you know extra talent that we're going to have up front, that's going to help any safety we have tremendously. Like if you started Abke, I still think he would have probably a halfway decent season because i think if we do go chase young which I, I don't see why they wouldn't i think you're gonna have a lot of pressures on the quarterback we're gonna have a lot of turnovers so you know that's why a guy like moreland this this could be a huge year for him fuller he's opportunistic he could have a huge year so having that front that's why everyone thinks it's a luxury you know um taking young at two, i don't think so i think that that's kind of what the whole san francisco blueprint they just stacked that front up, and so what? They have all those first-rounders. What did they do eventually? They traded one. You know, they just traded one of their frontline line guys to the Colts. You look at the Redskins' blueprint. They're stacking it now with Tim Settle, the backup, you know, all the, you know, bringing depth. So, arguably, you could see Alan Payne or Ioannidis be one of the guys. I thought it should be Ryan Kerrigan. But, you know, they're going to be able to move some things around. So, when you add someone like Young, you're just going to make the whole back-end better. So if you can get a safety this early on that you could probably say, go go compete, I don't think Davis or Abkeh or anyone would beat out any of the guys we talked about.
0: Yeah, especially coming back from the injuries. I've never been high on (laughs) Abkeh. I saw no. someone today said he would be the starter, and <laughs> I just no. I just had to keep rolling because I didn't want to get in that. Um, no. But he was I, even
2: the best safety on the Penn State team he was on when he was there. That's yeah. the problem, you know. Yeah, they just reached on the bottom line.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I can I can definitely see that. And uh, like I said with with Chase Young, that's the foundation. That's where the play starts. There's there's different options you can go to as a quarterback. So right. my debate with the whole Simmons thing is. Okay, that fixes one spot, but the quarterback still has, you know, three or four other options he can go to on the right. play. Chase's right. job is to go to that one guy. Right. There's there's no other outlet. There's no getting away from that. He that's that's where the whole play starts. That's exactly where the ball is when it starts. So, you know, we do need to build up that secondary, and you brought up right. a good point of, you know, maybe we don't have that starter right now. Maybe Ron has their guy in the draft. Maybe, you know, right. it could be at 66. But Exactly. If you're not on that train and you're like, no, you know, we're going to ride with Apke, we're going to ride with Sean Davis, like we're set, then you definitely need to take a look at this wide receiver draft because, yes, it's deep, but there's a couple guys early that could fall. And I know one guy that you and me are both really high on is Brian Edwards. He's the first one I'll throw out. Um, Possible second round grade. Uh, I saw him like middle second before he got hurt. got injured, getting ready for his uh, pro day and everything, so he's kind of slipped up in the third. I love this guy's tapes. I saw him live against Alabama, and I was like, holy smokes, this guy's for real. What do you think about Brian?
2: Yeah, like you said, you mentioned the Alabama game. That's the tape that you go to when you're watching Edwards. If you really want to see what his ceiling could be, you know, 6'3", 212 pounds, this dude is only going to get better. You know, I don't really have – too many comps i look at a keenan allen type just size and you know kind of how they move wise but you know that's the kind of player that i keep saying that redskins need to have not a kj hill type a six foot more possession guy but you have a bigger target like that that's going to do do some things in the run game because that's another thing that brian edwards can do he can really help out in the run game You know, that's the kind of receiver that we need to get. Because Harmon, it's crazy. Like, I don't take a lot of stock into everything that Chris Cooley says, but he mentioned to somebody that stuck with me about Harmon, that he envisions him as kind of an H-back role, which was surprising to hear. So it got my gears going. Don't be surprised. I really don't be surprised, especially if we get another free agent receiver and get a couple receivers in the draft, that they start to move him into like a hybrid Niles-Paul not tight end necessarily, but like he said, an H back. I wouldn't mind seeing that because they say he's actually the best blocker on the team, the net, the best non-offensive lineman blocker on the team. So wow. that's something to keep an eye on with Harmon. So I think you add a guy like Brian Edwards, you still can come back later in the draft, and you have you know other guys even on the same level as with, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, Michael Pittman, you know Donovan Peoples Jones. He's a later round, you know. Antonio Gandy-Golden, you know, it's not the best top to bottom But when you go from the first round and you have the first tier receivers then you hit a second tier Those second tier receivers instead of just being available in the second round They're gonna start to be available in the third fourth even some in the fifth round So when we say deep, this is what deep means. It's a you know, it's a whole It's a butterfly effect after you know a lot of the top ones come off the board. So to me this is going to be the part of the draft where I think fans are going to get really excited because I think wide receiver is probably going to be the position next to tight end for Redskins fans. That they're going to know most of the guys on the board. So when a lot of them get picked, I think Redskins fans will be excited that you know they actually know who they're looking at right now.
0: Yeah, and I mean we can thank Terry for getting this hype about you know receivers in the draft, especially in like around the third round. Um, right, but like you said, that's the guys that everyone's watching right now. So, like to me, if I had to rank my you know pick 66 guys you know even Brandon Auk might possibly be there and he might have right. the best hands in the draft um right. aside from you know it's just it's, it's insane how deep this draft is and like you said yep. that second tier is so big yes. it could possibly go to the third fourth round right and right. yeah and Michael Pittman I would say is at the top of that second tier with Brian yep. Edwards yeah, and I I'm so glad you said what you said about the receivers because I've been claiming like we don't need another K.J. Hill. We don't need another no. smaller speed guy. Like, Give me a Calvin Johnson, just yes. tall, possession beast that can go up and get the ball. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on Donovan People jones It's the name you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. His college career didn't pan out to what he was hoping. And in his defense, Michigan's offense has just been god-awful. It was literally right. bottom three. In right. uh, all of the FBS last year for a majority of the season, right. and I don't think that's his fault, nope. but just his size and what yeah. he can bring to the team. Just we need that compliment for Terry. I don't want another short speed guy running out. We've got plenty of that, I believe. Um, right, but yeah, it is. It is going to be interesting to see what they do with Harmon. But to me, if I'm looking at wide receiver right now, it's either Pittman. Um, I would say Donovan Peoples-Jones could fall to 108, so I probably wouldn't reach on him uh, no, right he'll away. No, be, he'll
2: be there late. He'll be there late for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, Or, like I said, uh, with Brandon Ayuk possibly being there, to me yeah. what he offers is that yards after the catch yes. uh, ability, and that's really hard to find from a few of these guys. But for sure, uh, there's a couple options, and you can even trade back. And that's something that we will uh, definitely talk about if we acquire like a six round pick, how important that is. So actually, when I was doing my mock draft, I traded back from 66 to 70 um, with the Dolphins. And there were still guys there actually uh, picked one of the receivers we talked about. I'm not going to spoil it yet for my mock draft, but uh, I actually traded back and took one of those guys. And believe it or not, Jeremy Chin was still there. Uh, Duggar was gone, um, but Troutman was still there at 70, which was a surprise to me. Um, But picking up that extra pick in this draft could be huge. It could be a starter. Like I said, Chase Roulier. sixth round. And uh, taking a look, going back to 108. So regardless of who you pick, 108, we kind of see more positions into play here. So you might be stuck at wide receiver or tight end on that pick 66. But now is where it starts to get fun because you you have these offensive tackles, you see some linebackers you might like, some other corners maybe. This is kind of where that drops off. Uh tight ends, but you know, around this area, what what do you think could be the ceiling of a talent level that could uh, possibly be here for us?
2: Like uh yeah, I, I, two guys that I like like later in the 100s is uh, Stanford tight end Kobe Parkinson. Like, uh, dude's just a big dude. 6'7, 252. I definitely look at him as somebody like ceiling. He could give you what Jason Witten gives you. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's going to give you a blocking tight end. So if you have, you know, uh, like we're talking about, like a sixth round possibly, that would be ideal because you still have your fifth round that you could go for other, you know, higher end positions like a receiver even. But he's somebody that, you know, if he, he's sitting there. You've Got to get somebody like that. Even if you drafted a tight end early on, and another guy that I really like too is uh, Memphis. He'll be coming in the draft as a wide receiver, but he played running back to uh, Antonio Gibson from Memphis. He's definitely in the McKissick type, like just the, like the free agent we signed, but he's a little more dynamic. At you know six foot two, twenty eight. So not only was he used at running back, uh, using the term scat back would be an understatement for this kid because once he gets the ball in his hands, he's gone. His flash speed this is a guy that i really like this is the type of wide receiver depth value i'm talking about because don't i wouldn't even be surprised if somehow he slipped to the seventh round just based on you know the depth and the size and the talent but um those are two guys that, that, that i like late in that portion right there
0: yeah i think we'll draft two wide receivers this draft to be yeah. honest with you i yeah. think one's going to be either around that pick 66 you know depends who's there or the 108 range um or even in the fifth but I think that he could be a great option for us because we've talked about how our offense is going to run. And a lot of people don't know what to expect. But one thing you'll see is you'll see a lot of Sims in the backfield, which you know if you watch the Patriots game, it's probably going to excite you to see what he's going to do. Um, and then the same thing with McKissick going out in the slot. There's going to be a lot of movements, a lot of pre-snap uh, movements and adjustments and stuff like that. But a guy like Gibson, he could he could play so many different roles on this team And like you said, he could even run the ball in some plays. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do some outruns, stuff like that, or uh, play in the slot. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a guy that's on Ron's board because he loves those Swiss Army Knives that can give him a bunch of different options on his team. He doesn't want one guy that's just like, hey, all I can do is catch. Just dummy the ball, and this is what I'm going to do. So definitely interesting. I'm glad you brought him up because it's one I didn't write down. Uh, I know (laughs) we had a lot of the same picks going through it. Um, But tell me a little bit about this guy. Because um, right now, some guys might be looking at the offensive tackle spot. They're like, hey, I'm not sold with Lucas being our starting left tackle, like Lake said. Um, and Trent might be gone. You know, that's still going on. But if he's not here and we are looking at the future, I know there's a guy from St. John's that you're really high on that could possibly be available here at 108. So tell us a little bit about him.
2: Yeah, Ben Barch. Uh, after the first, you know, wave of uh, tackles, and it's pretty deep. You know, the first wave of tackles is going to go about, you know, five or six deep before you get to tier two. And when you get to tier two, it's going to be funny because there's going to be teams that will pull for need at three, but there could be a player like Barch that slips somehow. Um, you know, because he's Division three, six six three zero nine. You know, he just came in drills and he just looked fluid. You know, his kick slide is smooth. He doesn't look like any of the 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 assignments were too big for him going against major you know power five uh, pass rushers. This is a guy that he can handle the small speed rusher. That's his knock that he can't he has issues against you know quick twitch around the edge speed rushes. but I saw him and he did actually pretty good against him and I think with NFL coaching, you know he could be even better. so if he's available that late even though he's division three and the level of competition will always come into play especially for an offensive tackle. But, you know, when you have NFL coaches and scouts, you know, raving about, you know, he's coming in technique savvy. He just needs to refine it. He just needs he needs to be sharpened. You know, he just needs to go against better competition. That's all the knocks I've heard on him. So if that's all you're getting on, I think this kid is probably going to be the top uh, small school offensive lineman to come out this year.
0: Yeah, and for sure. I, I didn't really hear too much about him early on, but he's definitely come onto the scene. Um, another guy that I've been really kind of looking under the uh, scope, our guy Allen our group chat kind of mentioned him Logan Stenberg from Kentucky, the guard. Um, yeah. His tapes are phenomenal. You know, we saw what Lynn Bowden did, just that offensive show uh, at Kentucky, and it it absolutely came with the help of guys like Logan. Um, and yeah, we do have Wes Martin and we did sign a uh, West switcher. So we kind of have that competition going on too. Um, but still we need that depth piece. And I think Logan could even come in and possibly give them a run for his money. So it's really just taking a look at what you want position wise. Uh, but if you skipped out on a wide receiver and pick 66, but, and you want to get one right now, then you still have a huge pool of guys to pick from. Uh, right. just some of the ones I highlighted, um, We've, we've both agreed on this for a while. K.J. Hill at 66 is a reach. I Definitely. think he got the hype because Ohio State, people are like, well, we us get back with Haskins. Right. And to me, I just I feel like that, that would be a, way, a waste and a huge reach at 66. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to get a lot of blowback from it, but it is what it is. But to me, I think he would be available right, he, right here realistically uh, yeah. with guys like Van Jefferson from Florida, yes. uh, Tyler yeah. Johnson from Minnesota, and Gabriel yeah. Davis from UCF. That's, That's kind of yep. like that middle pick I have there. Is there anyone else that you had, or or how would you summarize this wide receiver uh, class in like the fourth round? Yeah, it's
2: going to be interesting because you've heard me talk about this guy a lot, Antonio, Antonio Gandy Golden. Oh, he yeah. just every conversation, at, you know, six four two twenty three, and you know it's one thing just to have a tall receiver, and he's coming out of Liberty, so he's not getting much attention. But lately. I think the more people just view as highlight tapes, and I always urge people, try to just go to the school sites, all 22, find whatever you can because this guy, when game action is going on, is what really appealed to me. And I think that if he went to a school like Clemson or Alabama, we'd be talking about this guy in the top 60 selected. So I think if somehow you find him in the beginning of the fourth round when the the Redskins are up on the board, to me he fits perfectly what Ron Rivera has done in the past some of the picks with Devin Funches some of the you know the bigger guys that you know he's looked at i think it kind of fits the mold and that's why i keep saying not only for need expect to see a big receiver that's why i don't think the redskins made a run at devin funches because it was going to be you know 7 8 million plus because they know that they'll be able to get a guy like this because Kyle Smith, that's one thing I know he's he he thrives on, is finding these lesser-known talents. And I really think you're going to see at least two big-body guys come out of this draft at receiver. Because, you know, you have this kid from Texas. You know, you have kids that oh, are 6'5", 6'6". Yeah, so, you know, like you mentioned, Calvin Johnson, that's the absolute ceiling, of course. But I think for a – maybe I'm a little too optimistic, but the floor for a lot of these guys is like – you know Demarius Thomas yeah you know is a kind of big body guy that's going to come in and you know he's going to give you 10 touchdowns he can give you a thousand yard season And Antonio Gandy Golden that is the kind of player I think he can be and I think he's actually more athletic than Thomas so you know you have some depth you know that's coming into this draft that I don't think we've seen for a long time we've seen top to bottom really good receivers but after the first round it kind of died off you know like the year with Josh Dots and all that, that was supposed to be a really, really good receiver class. And there were some good ones. But from first round to all the way to fifth, sixth round this year, you're going to see guys that are going to be able to come in and start. that That's what's the crazy thing to me.
0: Yeah, this I'm glad you said AGG because uh, I almost went to Liberty, actually. It chose Coastal Carolina, which is their rivals, which is probably not a good idea. But great program. <laughs> Hugh Freeze is building something out there. Uh, they've been exciting to watch. Uh, especially on offense. But AGG, he's probably the most that I've watched closely outside of Jerry Judy, um, just because of yeah. random. But I studied him more than anyone. And I'd say his comp, if you know, you ask me what I feel like he could be, I think Alshon Jeffries pretty yeah close to very the similar
2: team. type of players very similar players yeah, so I agree. It, he
0: has this long stride but he's not just yeah. size he has that right. quick twitch on the line to just get that separation and if he doesn't get separation he's just gonna body you up and moss you because <laughs> he does have that big frame i wouldn't be surprised if he put on five ten pounds his, you know rookie season and just looks like the hulk uh going into his second season but Getting a guy like him, and that's why I'm okay with not getting a huge, you know, big-name guy at 66 right? because I think you can get that value. And I think that's another reason why it's important that we do get extra picks because it's guys like that you can miss out on if you don't have a sixth-round pick or a fifth-round pick. Uh, Another guy, Isaiah Hodgins, I watched him a little bit at Oregon State. His name's come up recently, too. Uh, yep. one of the better hands in the draft, too. I mean, you can literally pick a guy and watch their tapes and make a strong defense on why you need to pick this guy. It, it's right. hard to just be narrowed in on one guy, but I'm definitely huge on AGG. Uh, would love to have him on here. Um, but taking a look, you said Colby, 100% agree with you. Worst case scenario, he would be that red zone threat that we don't have. Yeah. Right. And like you said, he just – Just based off of his size, I'd be like, hey, just go stand in the corner. I'm I'm just going to high point you the ball. There's no one going to be able to get it over you. But best case scenario, he could run those vertical routes. He could go off for 200 yards and a couple touchdowns a game for you. Um, So it's just another guy to keep an eye on uh, later on in the draft. So if you're sold out on Adam Troutman early, open up your blinders a little bit and be open to some of these later round guys because the tight end rankings are all over the place and – I honestly don't know which one uh to go with. It's third and long, the quarterback's gotta shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back, he has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack, it's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's gonna hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe, clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches, grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire card with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt, the result will be a touchdown. And then we kind of take a look at later on after that. There's a couple of guys flying under the radar. Um, and one, interesting enough, had an interview with the Redskins. So I want to bring him up. And that's Sadiq Charles. Um, the tackle from LSU, um, you know, we haven't studied too much about him. But wh- what was your first reaction to seeing? You know, we are interested in him. Did you kind of look into him a little bit? Or,
2: yeah, I you know I just I I have to confess, you know, not much. You know, I don't I don't watch too many of uh, the LSU uh, unless they play Alabama. Alabama that's the, the tape I've seen the most out of any uh, Power Five conference team. But I, I have watched some of that. his and. Um, You know, I I I like what he can do out there. I think you know he's not as far along as some people think he is. He's still raw in a lot of aspects, and you know he's gonna deal. He's gonna have to deal with some major issues going against real strength uh, coming up the middle of the NFL. Because when you know when you're on that level, you're looking at one guy, maybe like a Chase Young in your edge, whatever. But when you have three or four guys like an Eagles front or even the Redskins front, you know he's gonna have a lot of problems. So as much as I like him, he's another guy that. If he was available earlier on, I would have to consider him, but I would have to also look at the other players that I could plug and play right away, and I don't look at him as a plug and play. Even with you know players like Wes Martin we have, I'm more confident with him, and even the guy we picked up from the Falcons, uh, the guard, I feel more confident right now. I think a lot of times when you have guards coming in, a good chunk of them are former tackles that just don't project on the outside of the NFL, so they're moving inside, so you have to understand that as much patience you have to have with outside tackles, with uh, interior linemen, you arguably have, they need a lot more refinement to their game. So someone like him, you hope that he's available a little later, and, you know, that's a kind of, like, value pick that you get. But early on, yeah, I I, I think that Redskins are better off waiting for, you know, something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I brought up Chase Royer. He was one of those guys, like I said, sixth round. He he needed some refinement, but he had no problem coming in. Um, and taking over, uh, who was it? Spencer Long, I think he. Yeah. So Spencer yeah, when, Long. yeah, when Spencer Long went in free agency, honestly, he didn't really skip a beat. It, it took a little while. Like I remember a couple, couple games where he struggled early, like against the Falcons and stuff like that. But right, you can still get that starting quality around this spot, and I think that's why it's so yep. crucial. You know, people are so quick to just be like, "All right, this guy played at Michigan. He's a guard. Cool. Let me just get this guy." It's it's not like that, and I think Kyle Smith has been. This has been his bread and butter, just finding those guys later on and just dominating the draft. I I think the last two drafts for sure have been our best in recent history, and it's because of these later guys. So uh, don't be surprised if we do the same thing this year and, you know, we pull out a starter somewhere along the way um, in these later rounds. Um, But personally, I got a guy in 162. Uh interviewed him myself, so I might be biased, but I feel like he could bring a lot to this team, and that's Davion Taylor from Colorado. Yeah. Outside linebacker. Um, he's kinda, you know, not being as noticed as much because he didn't play in high school because of his religious reasons, but his 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 knack for the ball, his speed, his uh, quickness to the to the ball, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the running back, if it's a pass, he would be a great will linebacker. He is that hybrid guy you're looking for just athletic, quick. Like you just tell him where to play, and he's like, "I will do whatever you tell me to," and he has no problem. I, I kind of put his tapes out there early on before the, you know, scouting and everything started to happen, and you see what he can do. So don't be surprised if you know we do reach for a guy around here because imagine what a guy like Davis can do. You know, we talk about with Ruben Foster, but I think the same thing out of Davion Taylor. Right. You, know, you have that vet in the locker room that can kind of lead you along the way. There's still questions on Ruben. I hope he comes back, but you know, how long do you think Davis would play a year or two?
2: Uh, probably. I think that's somebody that you know you bring in. You know, similar to the guy I looked at, Javon Ferguson from uh, New Mexico State. You know, guys that are showing that they're 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 getting it. You know, that they're getting better every year. Like I watched his tape as well when I saw you posted about him, so I watched a little of his tape, and I definitely I like what he can do as well. But Having somebody like Davis in house is, you know, it's going to be so valuable for some of these young guys. Even you know, some of the older vets, even like Ruben Foster, if he's going to have a chance, you know, someone like Davis is going to help him. But, you know, bringing in a late round linebacker, I think, is the way to go. Because, as much as I also like Holcomb and Sean, uh, SDH, people have to realize that SDH, he, coming from Alabama, he was look, looked upon highly. Great football IQ, but guy couldn't stay healthy you look at Holcomb he's going to be tested this year because we're going to see how his how far his condition has got If he can get through 14 13 14 games I'll be surprised because if you just look at his body everything he does he's got to get a lot bigger to play the position so having linebacker depth is really important so if you can find some guys like that late in the draft and that's why having these, you know, these late picks, extra sixth round, even extra seventh, is is really important this year because these are the kind of special teams building blocks that next thing you know they're starting for you on Sunday, you know, because there's a few injuries away And linebacker. We always seem to get hit with that. So oh, yeah. I don't think you know I don't think they you know they looked at they got the guy from Chicago in free agency and Davis. So after that, you know, you don't really have much there besides what you had last year. And you know they were a three-win team, so you can't really be hoping that foster is going to come back and save the day because even if he comes back in what condition you know it's going to even when he comes back it's still going to be another year or more before you know look at smith in dallas when he came back a similar injury with his knee with all those ligament tears it takes a year two years even more sometimes to get back where they are so you know he's on the final year with us so i don't think you look at him you look at who can we develop and I think the guy you mentioned at the Colorado, and I think that there there is a couple guys in this draft that are going to be able to come and do that. And I think find him in the later round, that's the way to go, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it made me just really think about something as you are talking. It's, you know, building up towards the future and not just hanging on to hope on some guys. Right, right. You know, it, that's what
2: Redskins fans do, man. They, yeah. it's, it's, it's a painful problem that they have is holding on to guys. Like, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, if it's just like stock, you're seeing a little dip in that stock, and you know what? He had a couple of those injuries after never getting hurt. Man, this is the time to move him. If they could get a fourth, even fifth round oh, for him, yeah. you move him. There's <laughs> been no talk there's been no talk about the extension after his agent came out and said, Oh, we'll do whatever it takes. He's still here on eleven and a half million dollars. So I'm gonna keep my faith in in Ron. It's more like more Kyle Smith. That's why I keep my faith in, and the fact that he was promoted makes me feel more confident. If he wasn't, if it was just Rivera running things, but Kyle Smith is, you know, in front of pro personnel and college right now. So I'm going to have some faith in that We're going to do the right thing. It's not about cap room right now because they have about 35. It's about allocating it where you're going to have that. So if they can, I, I'm hearing everything that's coming on the wire today. People are, my readers are sending me things saying, Did you, Julie Donaldson, and a couple people they're saying. Williams is going to get moved this week apparently it's like intensifying so with that in mind I you know with that in mind I think you know it's going to happen this whole bring him back and sweat him out that's not going to happen just doesn't happen this day and age you know that's 1985 NFL so you know getting you know a package of a third round and something I think people are really upset we don't have a second round but I think if you have you know multiple third rounds multiple fourth rounds I think it's going to go real well for us absolutely
0: and I, it's interesting, we're kind of chasing a little trail here, but it ties in together. The whole Kerrigan thing, me personally, I kind of, you know, I was like, okay, when we re-signed uh, Orchard, I was like, okay, you know, he, he's more of a sub-package, you know, edge-rushing kind of guy. And I said, okay, well, we still have Ryan Anderson, you know, we still have some of these guys coming back, um, we you know, re-signed Bostick, he's more of like a linebacker role, but I was like, okay, this this kind of is shaping up that we could possibly move Kerrigan because I don't see the reason in, you know, re-signing a guy like Orchard so cheap um, to come in just to provide a, you know, every now and then pass rush. If you have, you know, Sweat and Young on the outside and you're, you know, subbing in Kerrigan, regardless what his contract is, you know, $11 million or if we fix it out, I think you could do the same thing with Ryan Anderson and Orchard. Right, so Agree. I, I think that that kind of like I've been leaning more towards the okay, like something's going to happen with Kerrigan. I don't see us working. Maybe, on
2: it. maybe yeah. that's why there's no extension happening because exactly they're just going to try to move him, and whatever team does it, they'll do it so they'd be on the hook for all that money. Because if exactly. we rework them, if we if we don't rework them now and get lucky and trade them, I think there's zero dead money. I think yeah. that they move on. So maybe it has to play, but I ha- I have faith, man. I'm telling you, Kyle Smith this dude is a methodical worker and it's never big splash right away but even back to his father man they always made moves so i'm expecting some moves to come not the first round move that everyone thinks is going to happen but i think we're going to see a few trades in the draft few players traded and you know if t moving tw and kerrigan to me that would really show that they have control of the team because that would not that would definitely not be a snyder-esque kind of move but
0: yeah, and I I would be okay with Kerrigan getting traded for uh fourth or fifth. I think fifth yeah. is realistic. And people are like, well, that was what Dunbar was, and the people just like to throw out and compare it to other situations. It, it doesn't matter about it now. exactly.
2: It's about how much someone wants to pay. It's not about it's not a draft. Like see, everyone looks at it like a draft chart where it's this many picks to trade up to get this guy. But when it comes to trading players, it's all about how much a player a team wants to give. You know, exactly. Antonio Brown they wanted to give a third round, so they get you know. Teams play hardball. When players get headaches, that's why it's like, you know what? We let Trent sit out a year. We're not going to go through that again. It's the new regime. So they're going to get rid of him. It won't be for a second round. And he's going to go somewhere and he's not going to get 20 to 25 million like he thinks he's going to get. He'll get a decent guarantee for two years. He'll play two, three more years. And my personal opinion with him is he's going to slowly just fade away too. So I think it's not the worst thing to move on from him. Even though I've always been a Trent fan, I just think in football, when you've been away that too long, it's not only about oh okay you know he's he's kept his body right you know he in his gym his training facility this and that I think you when you're away from the game things change drastically in a year especially with the concept of offensive defenses so I think Trent's gonna struggle and I think this is the time you just move him you move Kerrigan and you're you know you're in a true rebuild mode at that point
0: yeah I 100 percent agree with you I think you know if it's not done like before the draft, I think the draft is when people are going to say, well, hey, we missed out on the tackle we wanted in the first or the second because you know there's another guy we wanted there, so let's try to get a deal done for Trent. Or, you know, we missed right. out on our edge rusher, but we can trade Kerrigan for a fifth, possibly. I'm 100% sold that we will have an additional fifth-round pick or we'll pick up that sixth-round pick that we're missing yeah. Whether it's trading back one of our fourths, trading back from like 66 to like 70, like I did, or seeing a guy like Kerrigan go for a fifth, I think it's a hundred percent like in the books. Like, I would bet on it, it's gonna happen because Kyle Smith loves us laying around picks. Like I said, that's that's where he's getting his money. And um, to me, when I traded back with Miami, uh, I still saw a lot of guys here, and there's a couple that stood out to me Um, Antoine Brooks. Um, from Maryland, obviously, yep. you know, obviously Maryland guy. So he's a fan favorite. We start seeing these later round safeties. It's not as deep as up front, but still really good depth pieces that could provide special teams. Could possibly over time develop into that starter. I know you had a really good list of some safeties. Um, so who are some of your guys that you had in these later rounds, possibly like the seventh?
2: Yeah. See, these are the kind of guys. Exactly. You think they could, you know, come in and probably replace Abke in the ceiling. Maybe, you know, be a surprise starter for you one day. But, you know, a couple guys I liked, uh, Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson. You know, Uh, Simmons got a lot of the attention when he was, you know, dropping back. But Kayvon Wallace was, you know, he was taking up large chunks of the field in quarters uh, zone as well. You know, then you also have a couple other guys that I liked as well. Uh, J.R. Reed uh, is a safety out of Georgia. You know, keep in mind, this is another guy that's not a true free safety, not a true strong. But, um, you know, they have the ability to, you know, move around in sub packages. And the guy that I really like, too, is uh, Miles Dorn from uh, UNC. Six-two, two-hundred five offers good size. You know, there's question about, you know, him playing deep coverage and if that would be you know what he's best suited for but um you know he's a player that could come in for you and be your you know everett that the redskins have right now without paying the three plus million a year they are and you know another guy I like is a shaheem carter out of alabama oh, I'm yeah. a Bama fan, him, so, <laughs> you
0: know
2: and to me you don't you don't make alabama and play for that many years if you're not at least you know an average starter on the next level and i think at worst someone like him He'll be a special teams contributor, you know, backup. So, you know, those are just a few guys that they're estimated to be in the range of 120 to 220. So it's a hundred player range just between those guys. And honestly, between all of them, there's not huge drop off. So having these late round picks are going to allow you to, you know, get somebody like this. And within a year, two years, you could have a start at that position. So, you know, it's important to, to look at these guys, and get to know them because, you know, they're ranked in, in relatively early in the, like I said, in the one, early 100s to 200s. But these are the guys that could be even undrafted. So these are the guys that are the building blocks of teams.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I remember a couple months ago, J.R. Reed in particular was like a fourth round grade. And he was someone, when I was doing the uh, podcast on the safeties, I was looking up, he had a late fourth round, maybe even like a possible early uh, fifth round. But. It's just that's that's what people need to think about. Like, just because we draft a guy in the third or fourth, right? You know, that doesn't mean like, oh, like they're that's why they're a third, fourth round pick. You can get a guy in the sixth, seventh that has a right. higher grade, but yep. fell because either the stocks of other players rose up, or right. you know, with all the stuff going on like pro days and stuff like that. You can still get those value just because a guy is drafted in the sixth doesn't mean oh shoot he's a six round guy like he ain't gonna do nothing for us <laughs> like he can he could still have a fourth round grade and he like drafting him in the fourth would be crazy because that's what he's graded at so right. you get a guy like that later on absolutely worth it uh, Miles Dorn another guy you said love watching his tapes at North Carolina um, I would love to have him uh, another guy that I've, you know talked to was Levante Taylor. Um, who was a cornerback injured his back and then moved to safety. He wasn't too fond of the move to safety, but uh, just in his best interest after that injury. But five-star recruit out of Virginia Beach went to Florida State, played with Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James. And you know the the back injury does raise some red flags, but it's guys like that that could come in be a sub package safety for you, be a nickel guy on a slot receiver, and absolutely compete in camp like. You know, we saw at Moreland. Some people are saying that he could, you know, possibly step up and start next season. These are guys that could build the future. So don't be surprised if we do draft a guy like Levante Taylor or Dorn or J.R. Reed or even Kayvon Wallace, who uh, I'm high on, too, to come in, compete in camp, you know, nonetheless play on special teams and earn that starting spot down the road. But it's all up in the up in the air. So uh, a lot of great picks later on. I'm glad you brought that up. And in the seventh round, some other guys I had here, uh, Lamar Jackson, not <laughs> not from Baltimore, uh, but the cornerback uh, from Nebraska, 6'2". Uh, just a really tall guy. I like tall corners because I want guys that can compete, get their hands up in the face, um, play the ball. So don't be surprised if we see a guy like him. Now on your end, I know you had uh, a couple seventh round possible small school guys that uh, you sent over to me and i'm absolutely with you on uh so go ahead and what's a couple guys that you saw here in the seventh from some small schools that you wouldn't be surprised get drafted
2: yeah one of one of my favorite guys and you know when he got an invite to the the combine it was purely based on the senior bowl he didn't do anything to wow people but as a hybrid tight end you know he's viewed as you know again in this h-back tight end role i actually see some Potential with fullback with him at six two two forty, 240. Uh, he was basically just flat out, you know, asked to go on a go route and he got clocked at 18 miles per hour. So it's six two two forty, You know, Charlie Tampua from Portland State, man, the kid can flat off fly. And I think the way we've seen some of the NFL teams like the 49ers and other teams utilize their fullbacks, you know, their tight ends and, you know, bunch packages and go out, you know, on passes, I think this is the kind of thing you're going to be seeing more in the red zone because. Teams are spreading it out, but when they're in the red zone, you'll notice even the most creative ones—they're bunching more together. So the more options that you have on the run, pass, uh, and a short, uh, short down a distance, I think that's going to be an opening for someone like Charlie Tampua who would most likely go undrafted prior. But with the way that NFL offenses are trending, you know these kind of hybrid role players that are fast and big that have the ability to, you know, help you on the blocking game. You know, doesn't matter what level of competition they come. If they can come into a training camp after being taken late or undrafted, I think these are the kind of guys you're going to start to see that are bringing fullback more into a sexy position because I really think that you're going to see a lot more teams use it now because the two, the two three, even three tight end sets, it, it works in a lot of the West Coast systems, but a lot of teams are going away from the West Coast. So I think you're going to see more sub packages with, you know, more tight ends, just more guys that can do more for you. So I really like this kid out of Portland state.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you said, you know, once again, it's those guys that can play different roles and don't be surprised. Cause it's not a lock that a guy like Rogers would make the team. Like if he got cut at like a lot of these uh, free agents that we signed, what's a guaranteed like 600 K or something like that. So right. don't be surprised if they took two tight ends in the draft, you know, two wide receivers and cut somebody, um, But the options are there, and, you know, we definitely would like some run support (laughs) because we need uh, all the support we can get. I'm used to seeing these linebackers at Alabama line up, like Reuben Foster used to do it, uh, just lead the way on the goal line and just plow guys over for the running back. So I would like to see something like that too. Um, Now there's a couple other guys, small schools that we've been looking at that might go undrafted because, you know, like I said, some guys are missing out on their pro days. Um, I know. Most recently, you did a write up on my guy Ernest Edwards from Maine. Yeah. For Electric sure. wide receiver, great kick returner. I uh, love what he brought to us. And he just had his pro day. Was it two days ago? Uh, yeah. So tell yesterday, us a little bit actually, about yeah. that write up you did and uh, how his pro day went.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm actually still communicating. I, we had q and A Q&A session a little bit ago, but I still get the final details of his pro day yesterday. But I did get he was ecstatic. He had a four four one forty. So, you know, the type receiver, he's about, you know, just a shade under one, I believe. And he's the kind of guy that you're going to be able to move in the slot, the X, the Z, all around. And for Maine University, his level of competition is always going to be scrutinized. But, man, just pop on the tape of this kid, Ernest Edwards in Maine. Man, the kid just can flat out ball. You, you know, he's in the backfield running, you know, option routes, throw touch, throwing touchdown passes, you know this kid can do it all, you know, just because the level of competition, he's definitely going under the radar, but he's a humble, really smart kid. And I think that this is the kind of guy that you're going to see slip to, you know, it could be late seventh, someone that's going to be, you know, covered in him or, you know, even go undrafted. But this is the kind of guy that Redskins need to bring into camp because he fits ideally into like the new culture, the versatility that, you know, the Washingtons trying to do.
0: Yeah. He was hands down one of my favorite guys to talk to. Like you said, just a humble guy, and he's ready, and he can absolutely ball out. I think we will see him in the NFL, and uh, I asked him, I was like, "Who, who's the one guy that you kind of model your game after? And he said, I'm about the same size as him right now, That's Tyreek Hill, and yep. we kind of have that same playing style. So just gives you an, an idea of what to expect from this guy, of how high his ceiling could be, and he's not limiting himself at all. He knows what he can do, right. and it's all there in the tapes. He just needs that opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, man, that, I mean, would, I would be ecstatic to bring him in. I I saw him throw those passes. I had to ask him about it. And he's like, man, he said I did it one time and everyone was surprised. So we did it a couple more times. He was like five yep. or six uh, yep. with like four touchdowns or something like that passing. But it's just yep. funny seeing guys like that uh, from small schools. And you, you hear it all the time with the competition and stuff like that. I don't buy it. You know, yeah. you see guys like Josh Norman. He was at Coastal. Some of your yeah. some of your biggest name guys came from small schools like Jerry Rice. Um, who's some other ones? Um, drawing a blank. Randy Moss. I know was at Marshall. That was a small school back then. Right,
1: right.
0: It doesn't matter. And I think the same with AGG. You know, you put all those yep. tapes with Baylor and Syracuse. That's the two I went to right away. Right. And. His quarterback got killed in the Syracuse game. Yeah, (laughs) If you watch that tape, that poor quarterback did not have a chance. But every time the ball came to him, he stepped up, made the plays. And don't sleep on these small school guys. And I'm telling you, Adam, I appreciate everything you do um shining the light on these small school guys because that's the future of the nfl and like i said don't be surprised if these guys are getting their names called on sunday but adam appreciate you coming on we're definitely going to uh, be doing some more leading up to the draft <clears throat> and then after the draft going to recap all the picks love to have you back on uh but of go course, ahead and tell course. everyone how to keep up with all your stuff and where to follow you
2: yeah yeah like we discussed i'm gonna have a, i had a latest read up on cassius Grady. uh utsa cornerback another great kid and like we just mentioned uh, ernest edwards that write-up's going to be coming out shortly within a week you can find all my uh articles interviews even today's podcast um links po- posted on the burgundy and gold report and you can follow me at the b and g report on twitter and uh yeah just come check me out um dm me you know He'll t- everybody will tell you, you know, I'm really open to talking to fans. Any questions, you know, I'm always willing to talk ball. So, you know, just DM me, email me, hit me up.
0: For sure. There's, there's a lot of guys. And I've done it too. You know, I see a guy, and I'm like, all right, I'm not too sure on this guy. I'm sure Adam's already watched uh, his tapes from the last three years. So let me ask Adam to see what he says. Uh, so don't be shy. If, if there's someone you're not, you know, too sure of, you're, you're stuck at pick – you know, like in the hundreds or in the 140 range, you're like, all right, I don't know between these two guys who would fit better, reach out to Adam. Don't reach out to me because he's definitely better. (laughs) (laughs) He's the better uh, source than I am. But, Adam, it was a pleasure. Uh, Definitely excited for the draft and can't see what else you got coming out. No doubt.
2: HTTR, man, have a good one.
0: Awesome, you too. With me today I have Levante Taylor, DB, from Florida State. Absolute pleasure talking to another Virginia boy. Levante, how you doing in quarantine, man? I'm
1: doing great.
0: How about you? I'm doing good. You said you've been gaming up with Call of Duty. You're pretty good?
1: Yeah, I'm all right, but I'm, I'm, I'm way better back.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at math. I can just talk a lot of trash, but I'm uh, yeah. not too good. But, yeah, man, I definitely want to reach out to you because uh, you're one of the guys I've been watching since high school, five-star recruit, like I said, from Virginia Beach. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, you know, going from a cornerback to the Florida State. What made you choose Florida State out of all the offers you had?
1: Yeah, I chose Florida State because I had a great connection with Jimbo Fisher um, and just the coaching staff as well. And not only just the coaching staff, but the players too. Just being blessed to be able to
0: go to camps with the 2015 class, stuff like that, I built a, a very strong relationship with those guys. So, you know, I just that's where I felt most comfortable with. Yeah, you talked about some guys you played with, the one that stands out, Derwin James. Y'all still close? And, like, what was that working with him on the field for your short time?
1: Yeah, so, you know, that that relationship started started at uh, Nike opening, uh, and I went there as a youngster, and man was on the same team. And ever since then, we just had a connection, um, you know, just playing with him, you know. Uh, it was very fun, you know.
0: I loved watching. I'm, I'm an Alabama fan, but I, I always enjoyed watching uh, Florida State, especially on defense. Uh, got some good DBs coming out of Florida State these days. But uh, how's everything been for you with the whole NFL draft process? You know, we kind of talked about how difficult things have been. How different has it been for you?
1: It has been different, you know, with the virus and stuff like that. And not being able to go to the combine. Not um, invited to a Super Bowl and stuff like that. Um, I'm not someone who's going to be down on myself about it. You know, I'm just going to make the best effort and work. I know what type of player I am. And everybody in the world knows what type of player I am, you know? So, Absolutely. you know, I'm just, so, you know, I'm just waiting, waiting on my moment just to get get to a team, you know, and, and do what I do best.
0: Absolutely. And I have to say, you know, having that back injury in 2018, one of your highlights has to be, you know, your mental strength. What was that like going through such a significant injury and having to bounce back from that?
1: Yeah, um, just b- bouncing back, um, you know. It, you know, the injury itself, you know, it, self Um, uh, I feel like I bounced back pretty well from the injury. Um you know, I'm feeling healthy now, especially like having having these uh like not being invited to the combine. and all those things, you know, just really helped me just to you know, focus on my body and get back to hundred percent stuff like that. So, you know, now I'm just with my team, like I said, I'm just trying to go out there and just take someone's spot.
0: Yeah, so you, you were a corner and then you switched to a safety after that injury. Do you think that was a good move for you? And what did you learn going from the corner spot to the more of a safety role? What was your biggest learning curve that you kind of was like, "All right, I got to do this"?
1: Um, honestly, I didn't like the safety move, but you know, it's just something that the team needed, so I did it. Um, but you know, just playing safety is very different corner. the corner you know, I'm used to playing press man all the time. Um, the safety was more um, I'm working the ball a lot. So, you know, it was pretty diff- different, but, you know, uh, a guy like me, you know, I can pick up, pick up on schemes and stuff like that really well. It really was bad, so, you know, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so I've been reading a lot on your uh, draft profiles, and it seems like what most people are saying is, you know, you would be a great uh, sub-package safety, but I feel like you would thrive a lot, you know, playing nickel against slot receivers because you do have those quick feet. I think that's one of your biggest highlights also. What do you think would be most comfortable for you in an NFL fit? If you're taking a look at a team, like, hey, what can you bring to us? Where do you think you would fit on defense?
1: Yes, what I would bring to you is a guy who can play the nickel position and can come in there and tackle and, and, and cover as well. Um, you know, and I'm someone, too, as well. If, if we have a great corner on our team and, and the opposing team doesn't want to put the number receiver against our number one corner, moving to the spot, I'm someone who can handle that as well. You know, and I'm going to bring that competitive nature to the room. Uh, to the team and, and just be a guy that someone needs and I'm gonna be that guy on a team where coach is like, wow man, I'm glad I took a chance to with this guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now let's just taking a look at the Redskins team, uh, you know, in particular, I think you do bring a lot to this. You know, I think you would complement, you know, our secondary, especially some guys like Kendall Fuller. You see Landon Collins. Is there a certain guy that kind of stands out to you in the NFL? Doesn't have to be the Redskins, but you're like, man, I would love to team up with this guy, maybe get back with Derwin uh, what's the kind of guy you like to play with in the NFL?
1: Yeah, i I love to play with uh, my other guy, Jalen Ramsey. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, i love to play with Darwin too. Um, but, you know, I just want to go somewhere. Hopefully, I, I go to a team, you know, who who's either has have, a have guy, and you know, I, I, I want to go in there and replace some him, or someone that needs a guy, and I just come in there and be that guy.
0: Yeah, you're not afraid of uh, battling out for a position, that's for sure. Uh, definitely going to keep an eye on him, man. I would love to have you in D.C. I think we could do a lot yes, of sir. things with you. Uh, I think Del Rio would uh, love to have you also being a great weapon. Uh, but definitely check out Levante on his journey. Check him out on Twitter.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Awesome. So check out Levante, see where he goes in the NFL draft. Definitely appreciate you coming on, man. Have a good appreciate one.
1: It.